Well, God bless you, everybody, and grateful to share God's Word with you this morning. Uh, please take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. So the title of this teaching is Fruitful Christian Living. Uh, we, all of us here on this call and present, we all know that we're all saved by grace. I mean, there's no question about that. There's no argument about it. Uh, we are saved by grace and grace alone. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so, but then what? And that's uh, what we're going to look at a little bit today. Um, First of all, God's desire for us to live fruitful Christian lives. And secondly, we're going to look briefly at what it means for a Christian to fall away. You might hear people talk about somebody falling away. What does that mean biblically? And then, of course, the long-term ramifications of fruitful Christian living. In uh, Romans chapter 6, after chapter you know, 5 has talked about how we're justified in the name of Jesus Christ and all that God has done for us in Christ, it says in verse 1, what shall we say then? Okay, what's our response to all that? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, that's an option. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So after being born again, after being saved, we are encouraged to walk in this newness of life. The walk is up to the individual. The choice is there to continue to sin, or the choice is there to walk in this newness of life. Let's uh, skip down to verse 11. It says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's something a person has to do. We have to do the reckoning. And the word reckon just means to calculate, compute, count. You know, some I like to say do the math. Calculate it out that we're dead to sin. Remember Raj taught we're, we're not of this world. Uh, Paul says in Galatians, he's crucified with Christ. He's, the world is, you know, he's dead to the world. We are dead to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then it says, let us not sin there, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as though that are, as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Same question again. <laughs> because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sins, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, meaning its yoke, its, its bondage, become, be, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. 
For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. See, when we were born again, we switched masters. But it's up to us to to make the new choice to serve. Our former manner of life produced fruit. It produced fruit unto death. Now we can produce fruit unto holiness or sanctification. Um, The words holiness or sanctification means to be set apart. We are set apart by God. We're sanctified by God. We're set apart from all other people, the common lot. We're special in God's sight. Now we can then bear fruit that corresponds with that sanctification that God has accomplished for us, that our lives should stand out from everybody else in the world, because we're not of this world. Um, We're called out of this world. And fruit is something that shows you what's, what, you know, shows you, um, it's a product of something, right? When an apple tree bears fruit, you know the apple tree is healthy, it's bearing fruit that can be consumed. Our lives should be fruitful as well. This fruit will set us apart from the world. Our lives, what we say, how we conduct ourselves, how we react to things, should be very different from the way the world does. It should stand out. That fruit should be there. Let's uh, go to Romans chapter 7. Verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. Okay, so we've seen fruit unto holiness or sanctification. We've seen fruit unto death, and here we see fruit unto God. Okay, we are as we walk in this newness of life, which is walking by the Spirit. We are to we are to bring forth fruit unto God, and it says we are to serve. Right, it's that service we do to God versus serving our flesh, our old man nature. We're to serve. God, and in that process, we bring forth fruit. Look at John chapter 15. Jesus Christ taught about fruitful living, and in John chapter 15, we're just going to look at a bit of it here. He was preparing his, his, peop- his disciples for the coming future when they would be born again of spirit, when they would have more than they had at that time. He was teaching them in preparation for that. Here in John chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it. You know, he prunes it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, 
as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. So it's part of this bringing forth fruit is to abide in Christ. And the way we do that is through his word. What we have been taught, Jesus Christ continued to teach, gave revelation to the apostle Paul of the more truth that was to come. He taught in the gospels and more truth came with the apostle Paul, but it's abiding in that revelation, abiding in the word that has been given to us that we bring forth fruit. Abide in me, verse 4 again, uh, abide, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So he was teaching, Jesus Christ here was teaching things about the future, and he was encouraging his, his disciples to abide in him. He had, they were clean through the word that he had spoken unto them, and they were to continue to abide in him, which would be through the word that they would have. And he, the, it glorifies God the Father when we bear much fruit. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. We have been given so much by grace, without a doubt. I mean, that's an understatement. All the blessings that we have by grace. Um, but what, how we respond to that, what we do with that grace, what we do with it is the walk. And this is what we're looking at, that walk, the walk in newness of life that brings forth fruit. In Galatians 5, verse 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Wow, that's quite a nasty list, okay? Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But in contrast to that, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. See, as we walk by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, walk by uh, what God reveals to us in His Word, we, bear, we bring forth this kind of fruit, love, joy, peace. You know, I may not have, I, I, I should be greater in my love tomorrow than I was am today. I should be greater in my joy, peace, all these things. As I, as I mature as a Christian, I should be continuing to grow in these things. Uh, and, I, you know, we shouldn't be the same people that we were five years ago, three years ago, a month ago. We should be continuing to grow and bear fruit. In Colossians 1, uh, 
you would turn there, Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians 1, part of the prayer there that uh, Paul and others prayed for the saints is recorded in Colossians 1, in verse 9. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And why do they want to be, why do they want, why are they praying that these believers be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual and wisdom and spiritual understanding? That, the result being that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It's that, again, what a beautiful thing. You want to be filled so you can be pleasing unto the Lord and walk in every good work fruitful in every good way, and then you increase in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. These are all fruit of the Spirit. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So, you know, these prayers, incidentally, you find in the scriptures, Paul, that, you know, that are found in the church epistles, they're great things for us to pray for ourselves, because Paul is obviously not praying for these things on the behalf of us. Uh, we should pray for these for one another and ourselves, so that we should be able to, you know, reach these goals that are set forth for us. Now, nowhere do the scriptures teach that Christian believers are to stop growing and maturing. If that was the case, there would be no need for further teaching. There would be no need for reproof or correction. So the growth in learning and living God's word is highly encouraged by the scriptures. A Christian believer is to continue to grow in God's word, to continue to renew the mind, to serve as a living sacrifice, to develop spiritual abilities, you know, to seek to, the, to excel to the edifying of the church, and so on. These are things we're encouraged to grow in. In fact, when Christians do not continue to grow. The scriptures have things to say about that. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Here Paul writing to the Corinthian church by revelation and uh, there's many things he had to deal with but in verse 1, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. So he had to give him baby food. You know, he couldn't give him he couldn't give him solid food, he couldn't give him deeper understanding. And here's the reason, verse 3, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? You see, they're no longer walking in the newness of life or walking by the Spirit. And the indication was that there was envying, strife, divisions among them. For while one saith, I am a Paul, and another, I am of Paulus, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Paul has watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that plants anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. 
Now he that plants and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. And the context continues, which we won't read right now, to teach about reward. That in the future, rewards are available for Christian believers as they serve and they build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. This is the corrective to help them to understand that they should, you know, put away the envying, strife, and divisions and walk as God would have them to walk. So there's reproof here. It's this not saying, well, you know, it's good that you're born again. That's all that matters. Uh, we don't need to go any further. There's reproof here. And as you can see, in the reproof says there's greater things at stake than just this life. Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. So, in view of the encouragement of the scriptures for Christian believers to bear fruit, let's look at some very sobering scriptures that confront that those that fall away. And these are in Hebrews chapter 5 and 6, a little bit of 6. And the goal, of course, is to understand what it means and the remedy for the situation. Now, generally, the larger Christian world believes that when somebody falls away, that means they lose salvation. But we'll see what the scriptures teach us about this. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 is where we'll pick up. And uh, it's been talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry as high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And in verse 11, it says, 5.11, of whom, speaking about Jesus Christ, we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles or the word of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Oh, you need to go back to baby food. Does this sound familiar? Uh, you know, the Corinthians had needed to go back to baby food because they, they were, had envying, strife, and divisions and such things among them. These Hebrew saints here needed to go back to baby food. They needed baby food again for other reasons. And this was because they had become, it says, dull of hearing. Uh, let's go to verse 13. For everyone that uses milk, uses milk, is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Is this a commendation for them, or, or is it a reproof? You know, he's not saying, "Well, that's great, you're born again." No, he's saying, "Look, you guys, you guys are dull now of hearing. You are not growing in God's word. You should have been teachers by now, but we need to teach you all the first things again." And the reason for their failure was they hadn't exercised themselves in the word of righteousness. They were not growing in it. They weren't using it. They weren't studying it. They weren't, you know trying to grow in walking in it, and therefore they had, they had not exercised themselves, and therefore they needed to ha go right back to the very first things to be taught them again. And then the, the con there should be no chapter break, and the context continues into chapter 6, Hebrews 6. Therefore, it says, leaving the principles, you know, the basics of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, let us go on to maturity, okay? Don't be stuck in baby food land. On pablum, you know, let's ha let's let's start having some solid food to eat, not laying against the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, 
of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do, will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, there's the text, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. These verses 4 to 6 are very sobering. The word repentance that's used there it's, uh, is, is in, in verse 4, uh, where it says um, uh, it's impossible. It's, it, it says, sorry, the word repentance is used also in verse 1, where it says it's referring to a repentance from dead works. And so it refers to the new birth. You see, you cannot be born again a second time. We're talking about something that is impossible. Asking to be born again a second time is impossible. Asking to start the Christian walk all over again would be like saying, you know what, I need Jesus Christ crucified all over again. So this would be equivalent to exposing him to open shame, to make a mockery of what Jesus Christ accomplished for you, and to hold him basically in contempt. So someone who falls away cannot be born again a second time. It's impossible. The scripture, the section of scriptures is speaking about Christian believers. They were once enlightened. They had tasted of the heavenly gift. They now had Holy Spirit. They had tasted the good word of God and the powers of the coming age. And we knew that from, we know that from chapter five, right? They should have been teachers by now. They were born again ones who could fall away. So what does it mean to fall away? Well, first we do we know that it cannot mean they lose salvation, right? Since that is by grace and is a gift of God. It cannot mean they're now unrighteous, because the righteous the righteousness of God was imparted unto them at the new birth. It cannot mean they're no longer set apart by God, because that was done by God. It cannot mean they're condemned, since we know from Romans chapter eight, no one can charge lay a charge against God's elect elect. It cannot mean that they're no longer holy and without blemish before God, because that too is accomplished by Christ. It cannot mean they're no longer have an inheritance, because it was seen, it, you know, God is the one who gave us the inheritance. So what does falling away entail? Let's continue to read the context. So let's go to verse 7. For the earth which drinks in the rain that comes oft upon it, and brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is near unto cursing, nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your late work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. The context here goes on to compare these ones who had fallen away to the earth that does not produce fruit. Okay, The thorns and thistles, or briars, it says, produced by this fruitless earth would be burned. The context also goes on to address the believer saying that, you know, the writer says, we're persuaded better things of you, you, you uh, Hebrew believers. And it doesn't say things that are that 
we are persuaded about you things that are salvation, but things that accompany salvation, in addition to salvation. They are reminded of the labor that they had previously done in the past that God would not forget and that they would be rewarded for it. So the, con- the encouragement for them is to continue to do the things that they had done, that labor to minister to the saints, to serve, to continue to be fruitful, and to do this, the hope unto the end, to do this completely. The hope unto the end is to hope completely in it. So the word fallen away just means to fall by the wayside. It means to start, stop living a fruitful Christian life. That's what it means. You are back to what you were doing where it should have been a teacher by now. You need to be taught the first principles. Or as in the case of the Corinthians, if there's envying and strife and division, you're back to being needing milk again. So to fall away simply means to stop living a fruitful Christian life. And this becomes very clear if we go back to Matthew chapter 13. We saw, her, we saw how much God would have us to bear fruit. We saw it in Romans, we saw it in Colossians and, and other places, Galatians. That we are to continue to mature as Christian believers, to grow in our walk with the Father, to serve in newness of spirit. So to stop doing that is to fall away and become unfruitful. In Matthew 13, you're all familiar with the parable of the sower. Uh, It says in verse, let's read the parable first and then Jesus Christ's explanation. In verse 3, it says, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell. That's the related words. Pipto, which we read in Fallen Away. You know, it was parapipto, fall by the wayside. Many seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth what? Fruit. Some in a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now Jesus later goes in verse 18, explains the parable to his disciples. Uh, not to the general crowds. It was for those who wanted to be his, who were his disciples, those who continued in his word. And in verse 18, it says, Hear ye, therefore, the parable of the sower. When one hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places the same is he that hears the word and anon, or immediately with joy, receives it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by, and that's the old English for immediately, immediately he is offended. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes what? unfruitful. Okay. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, which also beareth fruit and brings forth fruit, some in hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. See, Jesus Christ was not talking about receiving salvation. He was talking about discipleship and bearing fruit, just like he talked about in John chapter 15. Those and the 
in the context, you know, they were all, all of these people were receiving the word concerning the kingdom, right? Some just received it and then didn't take, it didn't take root in their lives. And, you know, and they only, as soon as tribulation and persecution, they were offended and they didn't continue in the word. Others, the deceitful of riches choked the word and they became unfruitful. You see, they had, it's, let me recall what we just read about the Hebrews. They needed to be taught, uh, they needed to be, they should have been teachers by now, but they had stopped growing. They had become dull of hearing the word of God. But then there's others who receive that word and they continue to grow in it. They bring forth fruit, okay, which is what God desires for all of us. So the emphasis of the parable is hearing the word of the kingdom to the end of bringing forth fruit. So, so falling away for a Christian to fall away is simply doesn't lose salvation, doesn't lose all the blessings that we have in, in, in Christ, but he does forfeit the fruit that he would have, uh, that he would have um, brought forth, which, as we read in Corinthians, later on produces reward as well. And so let's close in, in 2 Peter chapter 1. See, so to fall away simply means to stop bearing fruit, which is not desirable uh, from God's point of view. He would have us to bear fruit uh, unto God. In 2 Peter 1, verse 3. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, just wonderful things, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, your believing virtue, you know, do some work here. Add some virtue to it. Add to and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience. Remember, these are things fruit of the spirit talked about. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we have received the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but if we don't do anything with it, if we don't continue to walk in that and grow in it, then it becomes us we are become unfruitful. And some might be just be barren. They really don't go very far. They receive the word of the kingdom, but they don't continue in it. They're born again, but they just bring forth no fruit. So but it says, if you do these things, if you continue to grow, you're going to be not barren, but you're, going to, you're not going to be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 9, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Never fall away. You're not going to fall away. You're not going to, if you continue to grow in God's word. For so then, verse 11, an entrance shall be ministered unto abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
This section of 2 Peter speaks of qualities believers should endeavor to develop in their lives. The end result would be that they wouldn't be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. According to Bullinger, barren means idle, not not working the ground, living without labor. This is very interesting in light of what we've read about the sower and the seed. If a person does not endeavor to grow in God's word in these areas, he's considered nearsighted. It says that he's blind and cannot see afar off. Now, when it's talking about seeing afar off, it isn't referring to, you know, retirement or the end of your life, but eternal life. It's talking about way in the future. See, it says you're nearsighted. The word not cannot see afar off is literally the word, you know, that you that they use in, in, in when you go to the optometrist, if you're nearsighted. You're only looking at this life. You're not looking at the life to come when you don't continue to bear fruit and grow in the things of God. Uh, and you're forgotten where we where you came from, just like those Hebrew believers, remember? They had to be taught the first things all over again. But it says if you do these things, if you're diligent at them, then you're not going to fall. And then verse 11, it says, an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. We know that to enter the kingdom, you must be born again, right? To to get to have the new birth is required to be to have eternal life and to be part of the kingdom. Except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ taught in, uh, in John chapter three, right? But this is not talking about entering the kingdom. It's talking about an abundant entrance into the kingdom, and it's referring to like the red carpet being rolled out to you, as a the way I like to think about it. The red carpet is rolled out to you, so it's talking about reward. It's future reward that it's talking about. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're not only interested in this life, we're interested in the life to come when Christ comes back. The promise of a fruitful life, it is abundant entrance into the kingdom. Um, So we've seen that God would have us continue to grow and live fruitful Christian lives. We saw that in various ways. However, born-again ones can fall away and stop living fruitful lives, and that can happen in various ways as well. Once we understand the eternal ramifications of this, we're better equipped to renew our minds and continue to walk and f- walk for, you know, walk with and for our God and our wonderful Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that eternal things are at stake. So Let's endeavor to do all the things that God's word tells us to do when it comes to living fruitful lives. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've already done for us, the abundant grace that you've given to us in our lives so that we could be blessed uh, and filled with all the things that Christ has accomplished on our behalf, Father, the righteousness, the holiness without blame, Father, the inheritance all the other great blessings that are to come by your grace. And thank you, Father, that we can continue to grow in your word, to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the end that we can bear fruit and walk with fruitful Christian living, Father. Thank you, Father, for the promises that are far off in the future, or they could happen today if Christ comes back. And we thank you, Father, that we can look past this life, but look unto the one to come. Thank you for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.